0: Hi, folks. I hope you're enjoying the holiday season. Uh, We certainly are. I know Paul's in a map room and I'm in a beer garden, so that pretty much works out. But this week we're going way back in time, our third ever episode. It's all about the fall of the Berlin Wall. Okay, folks. So here's the show Heroes and Howlers, and the rest is history. My name's Mikey Robbins. I'm a bit of a history nerd, but my mate Paul Wilson. Hi everybody. Paul's a proper historian, all the way from Oxford. Thank you, Mikey. Okay, it's about those weird bits of history, the bizarre twists of fate. Yeah. The cock-ups actually <laughs> made stuff-ups <laughs> that have made the world what it is today. Okay folks, this is uh, Paul and Mikey here, and today we're gonna make we're gonna look at 1989. And the fall of the Berlin Wall. The fall of the Berlin Wall. Now, a very pivotal time in our life, probably the biggest moment in history, well, that we lived through as young as younger men. Yeah, certainly, the,
1: you know, we can definitely remember I was there. You know, we saw those pictures of those those guys <laughs> in dodgy <laughs> denim jackets oh, uh, on the top of the so wall.
0: So much crappy denim coming west. <laughs> but I think, Mikey, there is yeah. there's a, there's a
1: second reason why you quite like the idea of the Berlin Wall, isn't
0: there? Well, yeah, mate, um, look. As we all know, when when the whole Soviet Union fell apart and East Germany fell apart, bits of the Berlin Wall ended up all over the world. Yeah. Some of the UN, Mm -hmm. uh, the Vatican, the the, the Polish Pope. Oh, yeah. yeah, and the Goalkeeper. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. The goalkeeper. Uh, The the Reagan Library. But the weirdest one I ever saw, Mm -hmm. years ago, I was in Vegas Mm -hmm. on a road trip with my wife and went to the Main Street Casino, not one of the big ones, Mm -hmm. even though it says Main Street, and in the toilet there... The pisser mm. is actually a section of the Berlin Wall. Oh, in the toilet. No, no, it is the toilet, mate. <laughs> right. It's behind glass yeah. and you actually relieve yourself against it. So the idea is that yeah, you know, you're in a casino and you're, and you're supposed to be peeing on communism. Right, yeah, okay. Yeah, but they've got it wrong way around because you're actually uh, relieving yourself on the painted bit. Oh, with the, with the graffiti? Yeah, the western side. Which is
1: the western side. Yeah, okay, right. So you're actually... Peeing on capitalism, on
0: Uncle Sam. <laughs> I mean, which, bizarre enough, is one of Donald Trump's favourite things. But we'll, we'll get into that in a later episode. Okay. Now, so I we thought, thought we'd start with the Berlin Wall. Fall of the Berlin Wall, 1989. And we'll get to it because there's a massive cock-up at the centre of the Berlin Wall coming down, mate. But, of course, you can't talk about the Berlin Wall without mentioning the Cold War. Exactly. Just set the scene, mate. All right, so you, 1945, end
1: of Second World War, you yeah. know, Potsdam Agreement, all this kind of thing. But you've got to remember that although the wars come to the end, the Russians and, and the Western forces, they are still allies, but allies that don't really like each other. Yeah. So what they're looking to do is trying to create these spheres of influence because, as you say, Cold War, they don't want to... have any more fights, you know, they don't want to go to... They've just just gone through the Second World War. Exactly, right, so they're they're trying to keep the peace, but at the same time, obviously, they're pretty hostile, put a lot of antagonism out there, you know, so Churchill and Truman on the Western side, obviously Stalin over on the Russian side, they're looking to carve up Europe into sort of two blocks of spheres of influence, which would have been fine except when you come to Germany because they're already there and they've already got half their armies in Germany. uh, They're not going to give an inch, right? And people people often forget this. It was the Russians that made it to Berlin at the end of the Second World War. Exactly, the Russians who got to Berlin first. So the the sort of the line, if you like, was down the middle of Germany. But, of course, Berlin is, you know, 100, almost 150 kilometres inside that border. It's like a little enclave trapped in the middle of East Germany. So so they then divide
0: up the Berlin amongst the, the, the winning
1: Well that's what they say. Yeah, you know, it's so symbolic. You know, yeah, it's such an important um prize. Yeah, you know, they're not just gonna give it to Uncle Joe. So, you know, they say, Well, why don't we divide not just divide Germany, yeah. but we're gonna divide Berlin, you know, and we'll draw a line and of course, as Winston Churchill said, that became,
0: you know, the Iron Curtain. Yeah, actually, when do you say Winston Churchill said Iron Curtain? Yeah. He wasn't the first bloke to say that. Yeah, he did. He's in no. Missouri in, on his tour of the states. Yeah, in 1946, exactly. I yeah, think the, it was. Yeah, there you go. Which they say was you know, part of the side of, of the Cold War. The phrase Iron Curtain actually goes back to Goebbels, Hitler's. What's yeah, Hitler's yeah. propagandist? Yeah, the weird little guy, <laughs> Joseph Goebbels. He referred to them as an Iron Curtain as as being their defence against Russia, mm. which uh, didn't work out that well for them. Mm. I'm not, touché, Mike. I'm touché. not saying that Churchill plagiarised, but anyway. <laughs> oh, so, okay. so there's a phrase I really like about the Cold War. Okay. America was actually too stupid to realize it was always going to win. Okay? And the Russians were too shrewd to admit that they were always going to lose. Okay.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. now I, I, I get that. That's, I like that. But, you know, you got to remember, and that's sort of true with the Cold War, but you got to remember though, Mike, he's mm. like, you know, you got Vietnam, you've got Korea, yeah. you got Cuba, you know, you got 50,000 <laughs> nuclear warheads locked and
0: loaded. That, that's a pretty pretty mean game of chicken. So, Cold War sort of kicked on about 9.48, right? Well, yeah, well, yeah. Look, it, 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 yeah. We formed NATO. Yeah, they, exactly.
1: You got you, NATO formed 48. They they hit back with the Warsaw Pact. Yeah. So when does, I, when does the wall itself actually go up? Ah, well, that is a good question, Mikey, because obviously a lot of people think it's the same time. Yeah, yeah and, well,
0: I, I'm thinking, like, the, you know, when they had to fly all the supplies in The Stalin
1: bird. blockade, yeah, 48, that yeah. kind of thing.
0: Yeah, most people do
1: think that's when the, the wall started going up, but they did start the odd bit of, you know, barbed wire and barricades. But the wall? But the wall itself, mate. Okay, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a go here. Pin the tail on the donkey. Two years either way. When do you think the actual Berlin Wall
0: went up? Well, okay, they're saying it's not 1948. And it's it's not
1: 1948, (laughs) and it's not 1945.
0: Okay, I'm going to say, well, let's go mid-50s. 1955. That should have me pretty home and hosed. All right. The
1: Berlin Wall went up in... Drumroll, please. Don't do that again. 1961.
0: So it's the same age as me. Well, it was. The year of your birth, Mikey, uh, 1961. Yeah. It sounds like the war doesn't come. Why did they put it up in 61? Yeah, why did I mean, it take I mean, so long? I mean, how, how many East Germans have gotten out by that stage? Right, okay.
1: So, as we said before, this Cold War is all about sort of, you know, symbols and spheres of influence. So. Basically, at the beginning of the Cold War, huh? they didn't want to put up big walls. Because, you know, if you if you go around sticking 30 foot concrete walls all over the place, everyone's going to think, you know, you're living in a prison, right? <laughs> uh, 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 note to our current day America, please. <laughs> yeah, so East Germans and yeah, the Russians, they said, no, we, we won't put up a wall. We'll just, you yeah, know, we'll just have like Brandenburg Gate. We'll have a few, you know, Checkpoint, Checkpoint Charlies, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. But unfortunately, by, by 1961, yeah. Not just hundreds, yeah. not just thousands, 3.5 million East Germans had escaped across, and most of them in Berlin, over the river, over the wall. So that's when the wall goes Sorry, up. Sorry, over the barricades, because there was no wall.
0: Yeah. So the wall goes up in 61. It's exactly. not just a wall, it's like it's two lengths of wall with barbed wire and a kill zone in the middle. Well, that's it. You see, because I don't know about you, Mikey, but when I was
1: growing up, school, I could never work out. So if you got Berlin, you've got the Berlin Wall down the middle, why didn't people just, <laughs> just go around Just go around the back Yeah, yeah. coming to the other side? I, I once again take note, modern America. <laughs> but, of course, it wasn't just one wall. It wasn't just straight down the middle. It was actually a whole ring around the entire West Berlin enclave. And yeah. In fact, it was two rings um, with a load of barbed wire and a river in the middle. Um,
0: you know, basically shaped like a donut. You know, it could be in Berlin, but that—that's another story. <laughs> another, another episode. Before we get to the fall of the Berlin Wall, mm. and the man, trust us, it is a massive cock up how it comes down. There's one thing I want to get to, which happened near the end. Yeah. Because you know, you said checkpoints, you're talking walls. I'm thinking spies. I'm thinking James Bond. Was there that much espionage going on? What, well, was it a
1: hotbed of intrigue? I've got quite a nice little story here for you, Mikey, um, and it's it centres around Berlin in particular. It's called Operation. Tamarisk. Now, that sounds very James Bond. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. So, Operation Tamarisk. Okay. Take yourself back. You're in the 50s, 60s. You know all those uh, newsreels with the chabants, the, the grey suits, the horrible tower blocks, yeah? Yeah. yeah. What's it that miserable? All true. All right? right. Yeah, yeah. You went into the supermarkets. You know, the shelves were empty, including loo <laughs> paper. Here's <You, it's laughs> something we're all vaguely familiar with, mate. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, the... GDR government, the East German, East, Germans, East yeah. German government, they put a, a missive out to the, particularly the army and the intelligence corps. They say, look, we've, we're running out of loo paper. You're going to have to start using, you know, whatever you can get your hands on, documents, whatever it is, classified now, documents, classified documents. Well, that's the old old files of classified documents. Anything that's in the old filing cabinet, bring it out and wipe your bum. Right. So the. Handlers in the West—they yeah. they get wind of this, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah two ways, mate. But it's hard not to. Yeah, and they, yeah, they. So they, they tell their agents to have a sniff around. Yeah, very. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. all right. So, but seriously, they, yeah, they start finding all these old documents yeah. that are being put down the poo shoot. They start collecting these, and literally before you know it, you've got suitcases full of used loo paper being smuggled over the border. Over the wall
0: from East Berlin into West Berlin. All right, (laughs) yeah. Oh, 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 I can this Brown finger. (laughs) Uh, A quantum of faeces. mate. I could do these all day. (music) G'day again, folks. We're talking about the fall of the Berlin Wall. A bit of background there. You know, went up in '61. Got the whole the whole Cold War thing. Now let's fast forward now to make the Late 80s, the cold war is it, it, it's approaching its end game. We've got perestroika in Russia, you've got Reagan, Glastonist, yeah, Glastonist. You've got Reagan saying, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. That's a fantastic <laughs> Peter <of> Lorre <Laurie> impression.
1: <laughs> but but <laughs> the thing is, the wall itself was going nowhere, Mikey. Yeah, yeah. Na- 1989, we talk about the end of the cold war, you yeah, know, approaching its end game, but yeah, the wall is
0: still as firm in 89 as it's ever been, and there was no plan to bring it down until. There was this... In fact, this is what we, we maintain. What brought down the wall, the Iron Curtain, the whole bloody, The whole thing, yeah. whole, Was one just one spectacular cock-up that centred around a press conference that went pear-shaped. One of the, the worst press conferences of all time. Yeah, we're, we're talking worse than the Donald.
1: We're talking... One of the dumbest <laughs> moments in history. Right. So, November the 9th, Mikey. Yeah. yeah 1989. It's 1800 hours and Gunter Schabowski. Now who's Gunter Schabowski, mate? He is the top personnel for the GDR government. He is the best press officer that Eastern Germany marks can buy. And just a quick reminder, the GDR is the East German government. That's know, right. which, which is basically a satellite government for the, for the Russians. That's right, yeah. Now, he's called this press conference because there's been quite a few ramblings, you know, going across the East German population because there's been a rumour or rumours that there's a breach in the Iron Curtain. There's a hole, right? And people are starting to escape. Yeah, but not through Berlin. No. It's it's
0: quite complex. This is
1: a bit further away. It's on the border between Hungary and Austria. There seems to be this little hole where they're letting people through. So the East Germans and the Czechs and a few others, they're trying to make their way through to Hungary so that they can get to this breach in in the fences, climb out, into Western Europe. And obviously at that point the Volkskammer, the, the, the Politburo, the East
0: German government, starts to panic. Now you have to remember too though, when you say you're know, getting through East Germany, because East East Germany is opposed to the rest of the Soviet states. They're a bit proud that you could actually well they're a bit more lenient with travel than the rest of well, the that, Soviet
1: Union. And that's exactly right, Mikey, and That's the problem. Because normally, you know, if it was just Stalin and Moscow, he'd just say, okay, close all the borders. But they can't do that so easily in East Germany because they have been, as you say, quite proud of the fact that they did always offer you know, some sort of limited
0: travel. Yeah, but let's to be precise on this. If you wanted to travel, yeah. you had to be a, a top dog in the Communist Party. Yeah. Or, and I'm not making this up, a chess champion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or you leave your kids as collateral. Yeah. That's not a gag either. You actually <laughs> had to leave your family by
1: home as bloody collateral. But what's happened is they do let some people travel. And now yeah. you've got some East Germans, yeah, they've sneaked over into Czechoslovakia, and they're sneaking, they're trying to sneak through to Hungary, yeah. And they're on the steps of the West German uh, embassy in Prague. Yeah. They, you know, they're saying, you know, we want McDonald's, we, we <laughs> want decent
0: denim jackets, <laughs> yeah. we want Levi's. Yeah. So, how does the Stasi react to this? Because, quite frankly, if you're the Stasi, wouldn't you want to just get rid of all the... Because the Stasi are the secret police of East Germany. That's right. Wouldn't you be keeping an eye on this lot because they're the troublemakers? Yeah, well, they say... They approach the Czech government and they they say exactly that. They say, look,
1: hang on. Why don't we just close your borders all on one side, open up one gate to the west, kick out all the troublemakers, and then we'll close it all back down again and we'll be fine. But, unfortunately, Moscow says no. So the East German government thinks... Right, we need a plan B. Which was? W- well, we tell the people that are already on the move, yeah. y- yes, you can travel to Czechoslovakia and Hungary if you want, but yeah, you know, but to do so you need a special permit, and to apply for that <laughs> permit,
0: <laughs> you first need to come back home. Red tape being the Soviet answer to
1: everything. Well, yeah, you, you, two choices, obviously. One, one's to send them to Siberia. Oh, but, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wrap it up in red tape and those who really persist, <laughs> off to Siberia. Yeah. So Moscow says, OK, sure, yeah, you can pretend you're... Going to relax your travel restrictions for East Germany if you want to, but any new travel permits you promise, you're going to have to wrap them up in so much red tape, people just give up trying to apply and go home. So, back to the press conference. Yeah, this is yeah. when they decide, okay, this is the plan, we know what we're going to do, and you know, good old Soviet socialists, not quite. Republic press conference. to Shabowski is going to speak to the media. You, 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 you can picture uh, the scenes. Uh,
0: four guys, bad haircuts, four mic a table. That's right. Now the thing is, too, if we go back three days. There's a meeting on the sixth of November. Yeah, that's when they've decided they're going to wrap it up in red tape. Mm-hmm. Do you know? And then basically just bullshit their people, which <laughs> what they do. Yeah. So let's fast forward three days later. On the 9th, Shabowski is about to give a press conference. Talking about what was decided on the sixth. Exactly. But that's when things go pear-shaped. <laughs> Fall of the Berlin Wall. It's the 9th of November 1989. Now everything's escalated. That's right. So these last three days, yeah. the
1: whole situation's changed. Yeah. The protests have gone mad. They're going everywhere. They're protesting in East Germany, Czechoslovakia, Hungary, everyone's protesting. And so, so the Politburo, the East German government, think we need to have a second meeting yeah you know, and a second emergency meeting we need to throw these guys are bigger bone. Now, this is on the 9th. This is on the
0: 9th. So this has happened in the afternoon before the press conference. Exactly. But still three days later than the first meeting that the press conference is about. Stick with me, folks. You've got to know that, and then we'll move on from there. OK, so on the 6th, they said they were going to
1: maybe allow a few permits to a few places. Now... On the 9th, what are on they... On the 9th... What are they decide? They say, OK, we're not just going to relax the rules about who can apply for the permits. We're also going to make those permits valid for exit and entry at any and every border checkpoint in eastern Germany, including those for east and west Berlin.
0: Yes, but... What they're really offering is a, is a
1: buckley's chance of, of a permit that's probably yeah, going to get lost yeah. in the post anyway. That's right. These are permits. These, these are permissions. These are not saying it's going to be open, you know, because obviously that would be risky. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, but uh, then again, <laughs> not too risky because, you know, these guys, got to remember East Germany in these
0: days, yeah, people were so scared, yeah, they wouldn't even apply for a permit to buy an apple. So, so okay, there's been a meeting on the 9th. Yeah. Our mate, Schabowski, has gone in that night. He thinks he's talking about the meeting from the 6th. Yeah. But then a bloke walks in who changes
1: everything. That's right. Yes. So Shabowski is about to do his conference and in walks Gerhard Beale, who's the minister for foreign trade. Now, he has just been at the afternoon meeting of the night, the emergency second meeting. Right. So he knows the new plan. Okay. And now words getting out. The whole thing's being televised. Everyone knows this is not just going to be your average yeah. press conference, right? So Bill walks in and he slips, Gunter Shabowski, this note.
0: Uh, no, but but Shabowski. This is the top dog Eastern German press officer he didn't get where he is today worrying about notes being slipped into his hand one minute before the kickoff this guy's such a pro he just takes the note and sticks it in his pocket exactly and then he starts talking yeah uh, exactly how long does he talk for mate okay so he
1: starts and he's talking he's just doing his good old East German traditional press conference and he drones and he drones and he that. drones for 53 minutes. He
0: drones just like he's never droned before. No problem at all. But there's a journo in the room. Even though he's an Italian journalist, he's from German descent. He's got really good contacts. Ricardo... Ricardo Erkmann, that's right, yes? Yeah? So he's heard about this second meeting. So he sticks, he sticks up his hand and says, in response to what has be just been talking about, wasn't that old edict a mistake? Right. And okay. this is where history turns. This is the key, right? So he asks... But
1: hasn't that old edict now been superseded? Haven't the Volkshammer admitted they made a mistake? To which, of course, you know, Shabowski says, no, you know, the GDR Politburo doesn't make mistakes. And he starts packing up his briefcase, making ready to go. But then he touches his pocket and pulls out the note that Gerhard Beale gave him to him at the beginning of
0: the conference. Which he just slipped into his pocket. Right. So, so he pulls it out. So... The guy's basically home free, you know, you know back to a cardboard <laughs> Kit Kat and whatever cup <laughs> yeah. of tea with, with <laughs> Mr.
1: Shabatsky. Yeah, he's like, you know, it should be all over. But now he's, he's pulling out the note and he's starting to read. Now, you've got to remember, on this is the note that Gerhard Beal hmm. has just brought from the second emergency meeting, yeah? And it's basically saying the old edict, forget about it, relaxing the rules about the travel permits isn't going to be enough. Now we're going... Yeah, The new edict. The new edict. Yeah. Now we're going to have to offer to open all the borders to everyone and then try and store them, again, further down the line. And at the bottom of that note, which is also important, yeah. in amongst the other Ts and Cs, it says that this edict hereby supersedes blah, 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 blah. And then it says, effective immediately without delay. So he pulls out of his note and he starts. he's starting to read and he's like, as he's reading, he's realizing he shouldn't be saying this out loud. You know, the, penny's, the penny's dropping, right? Yeah. yeah. And basically, he's about to freeze. And you, you can see it. We've got the live television coverage. Yeah, you can see him there. And so, Ricardo Irkman
0: gets that, up. He's at the back of the room. And he, and he says, When does this come into effect? That's it. He says, Let's go for broke. Herr at the beginning, you told us
1: there was going to be a tentative relaxation of the travel permit criteria, now you're telling us all of East Germany's borders are going to be open to anybody who wants to cross from one side to the other. A pretty big shift. Yeah. And so he says, you know, when exactly is this going to happen? And, of course, Schabowski, all he can now see are those T's and C's at the bottom of the page. He's about to speak German, folks. Yeah, yeah. he breaks the cardinal rule of all press offices all over the world, he tells the truth. Das trickt nach meiner Kenntnis ist das sofort unverzuglich. Which means? <gasps> Effective immediately and without delay. Right.
0: <laughs> and the rest is history. And the rest is history. history. Well, actually not. Because here's the thing. By that stage, the East Germans have figured out that they have stuffed up this press conference major league. That's right, yes. So they, they try and do a media blackout and they try and
1: make sure no one ever hears about
0: <laughs> this press conference. Yeah, yet. They yeah. shut everything down. Burn the tapes. They, they take all the tapes, <laughs> but here's the problem. In West Berlin... Yes. They've heard it. Of course, yeah. The West Berliners are already broadcasting. They're opening the borders. The walls are coming down. And
1: that's key because literally they had loudspeakers on the wall from the western side, you know, always giving information um, to the people in East Berlin. And and suddenly, yeah, they're saying, you know, come and get your Levi's, come and get your McDonald's. It's happening. It's on the permits and it starts tonight. It's
0: been on the TV. And that's the stuff that we see on the TV. But, But what people then don't forget, here's the biggest second fluke of the night. The guy in charge, this is the one we all see on the new, on, on all the old video footage. Yeah. The born Holocaust at checkpoint. Yes. Yeah. It's a bloke called Harold Yeager, who's okay. Yeah, high, you know, high up military guy. Mm-hmm. Harold's having a tough day. All right. He's already stressed out. He actually had a cancer test, and he's uh, a few days before you know, from an East German hospital, and he's uh, he's waiting the results. He's waiting
1: the results on his me? cancer test. Yeah. And,
0: and then this starts happening. And he's got all these people turning up, and the crowds are starting to say, let us through, let us through. Mm. It starts spiralling. It gets out of control. He phones up a bloke called Colonel Zighorn, Mm -hmm. who's um, his superior. Yeah. His superior says, I don't know what to do. Yeah. At that point...
1: Because you've got to remember, guys, the police at the time, they were saying, look, no, 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 it doesn't start yet. You've got to get these permits. And, you know, you've got to go to the police station to get your permits. But, of course, all, all the police stations just, are, just, shall, are closed. Yeah? Yeah.
0: So, and, the, and the other thing, too, was, you know, uh, saying, saying to our, my mate Harold Jaeger, turn him away. Jaeger says, I can't do that. He said, all I can do is open or close the gates. Right. So Zekwon... beyond my pay grade. Yeah. It's exactly. So Zekwon gets on the phone to his superior. Jaeger's listening in. They're arguing back and forth. The superior, who's nowhere near the gate, can't believe what's going on. Eventually, Harold Yeager, the guy waiting on the cancer test, finally (laughs) cracks the shits, sticks the phone out the window and goes, if you don't believe me, listen to this.
1: Oh, and and everyone's outside going crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At
0: that point, that's when the famous words are said by Harold Yeager, open the damn gate. (laughs) And that's when the wall comes down. And the rest is history. history. Okay, folks, so there you have it. They cocked up a press conference. Yeah. That blew it out to the West. Yeah. And then the guy on charge of the gate that night was not in a good mood anyway. <laughs> so that's, yeah, two cock-ups gives the fall of the Berlin Wall. But here's something I want to ask you. Go on. In terms <clears throat> of modern-day mm. repercussions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's the same month, but it's a few weeks later. Mm-hmm. And we're not in Berlin anymore. Mm-hmm. We're in Dresden. Dresden, okay, yeah. And people are... Basically, that they've stormed the Stasi yep. headquarters in you know these the German secret police headquarters in Dresden. Sure. Now they're making a move on the well, it's supposed to be Suka, but everyone knows who it is. It's the KGB headquarters, right? Yeah. yeah. Which is a big net, net, net. <laughs> and at that point, as they're about to burst in, someone wait. This is one for you to guess. Mm -hmm. Someone comes out and tells them, if you don't stop this, me and my backup command, we're going to come out here and start shooting. Right. Who do you reckon that certain someone was?
1: A certain someone in Dresden? Yeah, Mm. a little someone. Ooh, a little someone. Um... (sighs) Nineteen eighty nine, Dresden. Uh, Angela Merkel. No,
0: let's think of a guy who likes to pose topless on a horse, holding a Kalashnikov. Oh, sort of, sort of guy who likes judo. but it just- <laughs> Yeah, but loves a bit, of, loves a bit of judo. Napoleon complex. A bit of a Napoleon complex. <laughs> That's right. It was Putin. Putin. Vladimir Putin. He was a KGB officer in Dresden in Dresden in eighty nine. Yeah, and, and of course wow. things are getting pretty, pretty scary for him. You know, yeah, the people are rising up. Yeah. So he thinks, what's the, what is the most natural? Soviet solution. Now, Paul, you know your history enough, and you've travelled to this part of the world. What did the Russians like to do when things go pear-shaped? Number one Soviet solution, bring in the tanks, right?
1: Yeah, I was like the story. What was that place you, you were at? Yeah, so, uh, well, folks, if you ever went to any of the former Soviet Union capitals back in those days, it, it was one thing that really struck you is that, yeah, every single main road is just wide enough, yeah, just wide enough for those six Soviet tanks
0: in convoy. So here's the thing. He phones up the local chief of the local tank division, yeah. Putin, yeah. Yeah. Putin phones up, he says, look, we've got trouble here in the streets of Dresden, yep. send in the tanks. Right. Now, the head of the tanks mm. says, I can't do anything without orders from Moscow. Mm. And pause. And he goes, and Moscow is silent. Ooh. And Putin packs it. Yeah. And in fact, Putin's biographer, a bloke called Boris Reichstutter, yeah. says to this day, that moment is a pivotal moment in Putin's life and understanding Putin's motivations. Mm. So it's that whole thing about he never wants to appear never weak. Caught with his pants down again, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, <just> get... <laughs> let's not go there, mate. All right.
1: Okay, folks. Well, there we go. End of the show. So what are we talking, Mikey? Fluke,
0: cock-up or hand of God? I'm going to say cock-up. Yep. Uh, from the press conference, Hand of God, because of. Uh, well, I suppose it is lucky that it was your man with the cancer test. It could have been anybody, any yep. guard on that bonus yep. Star. Yep. The Marks was out of 10. I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. Probably one of the most important moments in history you and I have lived through. Yeah, and
1: because uh, I think it's really important just to just re- remind people, you know, we look back now and we think, oh, the Iron Curtain, you know, has yeah. been held up by a sticky tape. But, yeah, you know, in November 1989, you know, just at the beginning of the month, Berlin Wall was as solid as it had ever been. Yeah, if it hadn't been for that press conference, that cock-up of a press conference. Exactly. If exactly. it hadn't been for your man Jaeger, it might never have happened. Well, there's that great quote from Eric Honecker, isn't there? That's right. Yeah, the head of East Germany in January 89, he made that famous speech, yeah, huh. in East Berlin
0: saying, "This wall will still be standing for another century." So, one of the, one of the most important moments in history turned on a stuffed-up <laughs> press conference and an overdue cancer result. <laughs>